Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily slash Weekly Ding. Happy Tuesday or Monday or Wednesday or whenever you're listening to this. We have all your latest coming out of the NBA during this coronavirus pandemic. I'm Zach Harper. That's Wazdi Lambert. We've got Rob Lopez checking to make sure the new HBO shows are posting. Coming up on today's show and the other shows going forward, we're bringing you at least once a week all the latest from across the league as the NBA still sits in limbo as the world tries to navigate this COVID-19. But first, Waz, did you watch Horse? I hate to sound like this kind of person who's derelict in my duties as an NBA. What am I, a freaking analyst? No, Zach. Yeah. I didn't watch people shoot in their backyards. No, I spent time with family and read a Was, book. Was, how could you? <laughs> how could you? Man, you didn't watch Horse? That's okay. I didn't either. But I'll give you the update. We have our final four. It went two hours Sunday night on ESPN. Why does it take two they, hours? I don't know. They, I mean, besides commercial breaks, what what are they doing for two hours? Serious question. It's a great question. I don't. I I couldn't tell you. I I caught a two minute video recap from Ball is Life this morning, and okay. that was good enough for me. But I'll tell you, Mike Conley defeated Tamika Catchings. Zach Lafine beat uh, beat Paul Pierce. Ali Quigley defeated Chris Paul, and Chauncey Billups took down Trey Young. So we've got Ali Quigley against Zach Levine, and then Chauncey Billups versus Mike Conley. The finals will happen Thursday, the sixteenth. So was who wins? Man. That's a good question. Smokey the Bear? I, I have no idea, man. Like, whoever... <laughs> I'll go Chauncey Billups. Like, I'm going to go with Mr. Wins? Big I Shot. I know who doesn't. The people who are at home quarantined, absolutely no sports to watch, and who are forced just to squeeze a little blood out of this sports rock um, and watch yeah. horse, man. It's You yeah. know, I, I get it. I get the dedication and trying to put on something for the fans and try to stay connected to the game somehow, some way, but horse really and the thing is it's like they're remote so it's like you don't even get the in-person sort of banter back and forth maybe intimidation or you know mind games or whatever like they're doing it from different hoops and different yards it's like whoo this is tough Zach Say this, Zach Levine and Chauncey Billups have nice setups. I'll tell you, they look like they, uh, they've they they've done well for themselves. Mike Conley, Mike Conley's yeah. crib was crazy too as well. I will That's say that. That's what happens when you briefly... Architectural <laughs> Digest, man. They just did a joint with uh, Jersey Drake. They might want to get yeah, Mike Conley Yeah, I think he's next. I think he's next month's issue right there. Uh, well, we don't know. Who, we know who didn't win the, uh, the horse competition, but... Was did the Bulls win their front office moves? They fired general manager Gar Foreman on Monday, who had uh, 10 years in the role as general manager and been with the year, with the team for 22 years. Uh, this came after they moved John Paxson to an advisory role, uh, senior advisor of basketball operations, and they hired Arturis Karnasovas from the uh, from the Denver Nuggets to be their uh, their main guy running the Bulls operations. And this Gar Pax tandem for years has just absolutely tortured Bulls fans. They always figured that they were making the wrong move. And so now Arturis gets to come in and use some of that Dun- that Denver Nuggets, uh, you know, charm and intelligence and everything to try to build up this roster and make sure that this team can get back to being uh, good at basketball. Look, man, you got to look at what Denver's done with very limited resources. Like they've got some of the most notoriously cheap owners in the league, right? Like they're constantly afraid of the luxury tax, all of these things. They never really picked in the crazy high lottery, right? And they put together what's going to be a 50-win team as long as they feel like having one, 
right? And that's not something to sneeze at. So I will say, like, Denver's situation is nice when you consider, and we've said this previously on the show, Zach, that Chicago Bulls have been a dumpster fire besides two very good Derrick Rose years and the greatest of all time playing yep. for their team, right? So, you know, if you to look at what Denver's built over there, young guys um, on an upward trajectory, and again, they're locked into 50-plus wins per season going forward. Uh, I think that's something that's desirable, right? But as with all of these management front office hires, right, how involved will the yep. ownership where, be? Where are the Reinsdorfs? Will they give the, right. Will the Reinsdorfs give this guy an opportunity to cook, as Bill Parcells would say? <laughs> you know, you're going to let me buy the groceries or cook the meal. You might, you know, remember the old Parcells yeah. oh, line, yeah. but will they allow him to do his thing? Yeah, that's the ultimate question, right? Because it's the same thing that I went through with talking to Wolves fans when when Gerson Rosas got hired for for Minnesota to fix that whole situation. It's like, yeah, it's great. That's the right guy. But does the right guy get to do his job? And you never know that with with management, right? When Kobe Altman took over for the Cleveland Cavaliers, there's the Dan Gilbert issue of will he meddle, right? Like you know, when uh, when Leon Rose takes over for the Knicks, is James Dolan going to get in the way? That's just always what it is with these bad franchises. You don't know where the ownership is going to you know put their fingerprints, and and until until you know that, um, it's hard to say whether or not this is gonna this is gonna work. But I do like the hire. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, but th- let's get to the juicy stuff, okay? Uh, on The Athletic this past week, you may have seen that uh, Tony Jones, Shams Charania, and Sam Amick had a very, very two-part in-depth report on the situation when the season got shut down and what was happening around the Utah Jazz. And the big thing that came out of it was that uh, that we had uh, a rift between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Was We have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert hadn't talked until, I guess, recently and that seemed to be prompted, I think, by this article, uh, by this reporting, and it sat and it immediately sent Jazz Twitter into just a complete civil war because was there was no room for oh I think that this will be okay we can keep both guys it was either Rudy's great and Donovan sucks or Donovan's great and Rudy sucks. You know what? This is one of those things that happens in many relationships, right? Uh, where. Things are going in a certain direction, obviously, and already. And then, you know, the person does something really small and minute, and there's this huge, like, backlash. Like, what the hell? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it's indicative of what was happening before. I think if there was a solid foundational relationship between Joel, um, excuse me, between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, something like this couldn't make news and nobody would take it seriously. Like, Wow, man, I don't know if these guys are are really in tune with each other. I think it speaks to the fact that everybody who's around that situation knows that there was turmoil within that locker room this season. And this just seemed like a convenient way to let some of that spill out into the public. Like, "Mm, maybe I'm not feeling this dude like that. That's what it seems to me. You might call me a conspiracy Mm. theorist, um, Zach, but it sounds like I'm, I'm reading the tea leaves. It feels like this is just an excuse of just like, I already wasn't feeling this guy. And this gives me an excuse to put it out there. And such yeah, a absolutely. And and that's something that's important to remember, right? We always assume, oh, these guys got to be friends. No, these are coworkers. 
you don't have to be friends with your coworkers. You just don't. Like sometimes you're just there to show up and maybe they don't get along. Maybe they do get along and this caused a rift. But the reported carelessness of Rudy Gobert right before the season shut down, he was and he tested positive for for COVID-19. Um, you know, that seems to have struck a nerve with some players around the league in the Jazz locker room and specifically with with uh, Donovan Mitchell. Now, Rudy Gobert talked to Bleacher Report's Taylor Rooks about the state of his relationship uh, with Donovan Mitchell following that report. Um, and and I believe they did this on IG Live. And Rudy said, it's true we didn't speak for a while after this, but we spoke a few days ago. We're both ready to go out there and try to win a championship for this team. It's not about being unprofessional. You know, everyone has, has got different relationships. It's never perfect. People that are married, it's never perfect. So, you know, me and my teammates, it's far from perfect. But at the end of the day, we both want the same thing, and it's winning. We're both grown men, and we're both going to do what it takes to win. So there are a couple things I take from this, was. Uh, one sounds like Rudy's not the one that's liked in this locker room, right? Like, I mean, like he was already whining for the previous month. The jazz were kind of in a tailspin. They were terrible defensively. He was almost protesting on the court with all with his play, right? He wasn't playing the defense. We know the two time back-to-back defensive player of the year to play. And there are all the reports were that he was pouting about his touches on offense. So there's already that factored into it. The other side of that, we still haven't heard anything from Donovan Mitchell, right? Like, it's fine for Rudy to say this because Rudy seems to be the one in the target, in the crosshairs here. But Donovan Mitchell still hasn't come out and been like, no, we're good. We'll be fine. Some would say we heard him loud and clear in that article. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Some would say, say, I don't know. I haven't haven't personally spoken to Shams or Tony. I haven't. But, like, I think it's quite obvious Mm -hmm. that Donovan Mitchell was unhappy with this homie and wouldn't mind getting the hell up out of Dodge. It's obvious, well, right? And like, and especially when you consider they're the two building blocks yeah. of the team, it has to be a, a, a him or me type of situation. Yeah, and that's the thing too, Oz, is like, you know, if if Donovan, for whatever reason, like by all accounts, he loves Salt Lake City and he loves the Jazz organization. But if for some reason he and this allowed he and uh, his representation to go, you know what, we could be a lot bigger deal in a bigger market. You like this is a way mm. to get your way out, right? And and. You and that's I mean, just you. We've seen Leon Rose. Is in we, we've York. seen a lot of people. Was we've seen a lot of situations over the years, and Jazz fans will push back on this, and you have every right to push back on this. But we've seen a lot of situations that have worked behind the scenes and pulled strings in situations like this, um, where there's a rift and everything. And if you want to get out, you can get out. Chris Porzingis just did it. Now it's not the same situation. Obviously, the Jazz are way better of an organization right. than the Knicks. But if a guy decides he wants out. They'll use whatever reason they they need to to force their way out, and the agents usually have the upper hand here. Look, I think if you're the Jazz, you should absolutely be worried about this, right? If you're the Jazz fans, you know, like, you can say whatever you want about the positive attitude that Donovan Mitchell has brought to Utah and how he's been in the community yeah, and all of that. super professional. He's great, a young guy. Great, uh, great guy for that whole community, absolutely. He's a young guy. Don't think he doesn't look at all the attention and all of the stuff that Jason Jason Tatum gets out in Boston and think, hmm, that's interesting. Or see, I mean, forget about Jason Tatum. A guy like Kyle Kuzma, with his brand, like this dude could not hold a torch. To, like they're not even in the same realm of, of Hooper. A guy like Kyle Kuzma, what he's able to do for himself brand-wise and business-wise out in Los Angeles, and then you combine that and, you, and then if you could take away the whole – Yo, we have a good, positive, winning thing happening here, and the locker room becomes toxic with Rudy. I mean, it's not hard to understand why this guy might be like, "Look, I'm done right. with this." And now I will say, 
in the Jazz' favor. One, we don't know that Donovan Mitchell is unhappy to the point that he wants to leave, right? So that that helps. And fair, two, fair. Um, he is on that rookie deal, and not a lot of guys leave. Like Chris Stapps magically got out, magically got out from the Knicks yeah. before that rookie deal was up. But that rookie deal, you know, it's not not a lot of guys leave after that rookie deal. They usually take the extension, ride that out, get towards the end of it, and then they find their way out of there. That's a long time if Donovan decides he wants to go that road. Or he can just threaten and say, I'll take the qualifying offer and I'll become a res- an unrestricted free agent when that time comes. It's super rare, though. I think only I think Greg Monroe did it, and that didn't seem to work out. Right, and he didn't get a max offer. That's what right, people yeah. got to understand. Nobody's ever gotten the maximum allowable offer and turned right. it down in favor of so- signing the qualifying offer. Like, I mean, it's like I say it all the time, Zach. Like, if somebody says to you, look, you know, we got $140 million here. All you have to do is just sign your name on this piece of paper. It's, it's just, Where's the pen? I mean, you mean all I got to do is write my name? Like, that's it? That was the first thing they, just was the first thing they taught down? me to write. <laughs> like, okay. You know, so I will say that, yeah. of course. You know, that's always bears mentioning. Nobody ever turns down the max, um, the max offer coming off of the rookie deal. But, you know, again, man, his dad works for the Mets. He might miss oh, City boy. Field. Oh, you know? He might miss City his guy, Field. Leon Rose, just took a oh, prominent boy. position in the... In the in the um in the Knicks, you know, I'm just saying, like go Mets, <laughs> go Mets. All right, uh, but Jazz fans, don't freak out because there's still plenty of time for this to to work out. And as Tony has mentioned, yeah, cooler. Yeah, head as, as Tony has fair. mentioned, he doesn't think this is um this is a, a situation that can't be salvaged. He thinks it's 100. percent And Tony's usually tapped into this stuff, so I would trust that over Waz trying to get uh, Donovan Mitchell back to New York. Uh, as best as you can on this podcast. By the way, listen to uh, the Tampering Podcast with Sam Mavick. You can listen to uh, Game Notes with Tony Jones. Both have uh, fantastic podcasts uh, regarding the reporting of this story. All right, Waz, as the NBA waits until May to formally reassess its shutdown due to the coronavirus pandemic, Adam Silver came out and encouraged all the league's employees to present ideas and concepts for a potential return to play. Uh, In that vein, various executives and team medical personnel have been discussing possible protocols to get players ready for games. Uh, Brian Windhorst of ESPN um, had sources tell him that this is likely means a 25-day program for players to go through before they resume games. That would be uh, 11 days of social distancing, which I think they're already supposed to be doing that, but whatever. It would be 11 days of social distancing and a two-week training camp before we get back on on the court. So this is what I like about this, Waz, is one – we're not having this weird optimism of like, yeah, I think we can get games in June, right? Because that that's not doing us any favors right now because we don't know when when or if we're going to get games back. But at least we know what a, a vague plan for just getting players ready to be back on the court looks like. It looks like a 25-day program, and that's a little bit of progress in my mind in terms of just having a general idea of what it will take. This is just what the reality is, and, and this is the most reality-based concept that we've seen, right? Like, all right, like... This is a wait-and-see approach. I know guys like Jay Williams, who I respect, was talking about an NBA cruise. I mean, the worst idea I've ever heard. (laughs) The worst idea. As Levitard said, they're Petri dishes. Cruise ships are giant Petri dishes. And you can't, like, that's where a lot of this stuff came over. We're cruises. You can't go back. 
Yeah, I, like the I did like look, the, we're a, a ways away from the type of testing that it would take. But yeah, it's it's nice that they're thinking about a plan. Like, all right, let's just say we did get same day testing or you know instant testing. Like, how would we make this happen? Where can we sequester people? What would we be doing on the days leading up to it? And all of these other things. Like, obviously, big crowds are out of the question, and this, this, that, and the third. And so, you know, I like this is the most sensical you know, sensible, excuse me, way to, to go about this. But again, man, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to be optimistic about any of this stuff actually being able to be executed. Yeah, it just seems like a, a long way away, but at least uh, at least there's somewhat of an idea of what a plan might look like if we can even get to that point. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Also, one bit of sad news, very very tragic news. Obviously, lots of people have died from this. Lots of people um, are sick from, from coronavirus uh, in terms of the NBA, uh, hit a little bit closer to home this time uh, as the Timberwolves announced the passing of Jacqueline Cruz, which is the mother of Carl Anthony Towns, who had been battling it, was in a medically induced uh, coma and uh, lost her battle with this. Uh, everyone stay safe. Uh, stay stay as healthy as possible. Stay inside and uh, make sure you're doing whatever you can to uh, prevent the spread of this uh, this terrible pandemic. That's it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. Back-to-back, no dunks, tampering, House of Strauss. Go buy Ethan Strauss's book, then watch the trailer that Jade Hoy produced, and then go check out Hoops Adjacent. Ethan has nothing to do with that, but I wanted to throw that podcast in there because that's where Big Waz is. And don't forget about the team-specific shows from your favorite athletic beat writers. Just click follow on the app and you get notifications for new episodes. That's it. Thanks for waking up with us, everyone. Again, stay inside, wash your hands, be safe, and Waz, hit me with that sign-up. Ding, 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 dongs. Ding, 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 dongs.